0: Damn, it's hot out here. Huh. Well, well, I might need this tent. Alright, Twitter. Alright, at Iowa Speedway today, pretty damn hot. Clouds, please come soon. Thanks. Hashtag Iowa 300. Hashtag IndyCar. Okay. Sweet, it's cool. Oh, there's clouds. Oh no. Oh crap. Damn. Welcome to the worst Motorsports weather predictions in the history of the world. Motorsport 101.
1: Chris's manipulation over the weather is so powerful that he has put Ryan Eric King underwater. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the wrong New York neighborhood. My
2: apologies. Though, I do have to mention, looking out my window, there's a big, dark, ominous cloud. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I did get a text alert saying that uh, right now, there is a flash flood warning, so... (laughs)
1: All this, and you're still in the middle of a heat wave. What the fuck? Welcome to Motorsport 101. Filling in for your friendly neighborhood host, Tantray Harrison. I am RJ O'Connell. As you might have guessed, Ryan Eric King and Christopher DeHarty are here first. King, hello. Hello. I'm glad you're
2: not underwater. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, South Brooklyn hosted the E.P.R.E. Week later, underwater. Coincidence? I think not. But also, I'm I'm fine. The Bronx wasn't hit as hard as Brooklyn. But that dark ominous cloud, give me worse. Apparently, it's <laughs> extending all the way
1: up through the northeast. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like northeastern weather. If you can't handle me at my worst, don't you can, you don't deserve me at my also worst. <laughs> There's not a best. Sorry. There really is not the best, Chris. Um. <laughs> Chris, back from Iowa Speedway, um, having taken control over the uh, the Harp uh, weather manipulation systems. Uh, how are you this afternoon?
0: Uh, it's better today. I'm off of work. Um, third, two days from recording this, I'm going to be driving to Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. So uh, the uh, the pursuit never ends. It just doesn't end.
1: I'm gonna say I'm gonna say as well, uh, because I had listened to this while I was doing yard work. i would listened back to the Iowa uh three hundred broadcast, and we'll get in the race in a bit. But uh I gotta say though, just be glad you weren't at James Hinchcliffe's barbecue where he accidentally tried to hit Alexander Rossi with that medium rare chicken.
0: Yeah, I was uh I was busy trying to avoid the rainstorm. Um would you like to hear the story about that?
1: Oh, please.
0: Yes. So um I was busy finishing up some other business I was handling and I had parked my car right outside of turn number four and I was getting ready to, I was getting onto a tram that was going to take me all the way to turn four or so I thought then I uh we the tram was going towards turn four then rain just started to absolutely pour down on us and in between um it, the outside of the track between the start finish line and turn number one the uh, tram driver said, I'm sorry, I can't go any further. So I had to run all the way from there, all the way around the parking lots on the far side of the track, on the uh, outside of the track, to get to my car, get inside of the car, and then just cool off. And then um, that's when I happened to message everybody in Discord, and that's when uh, we figured out what the episode title was going to be for this one.
1: Hashtag blame to Hardy. We are going to talk all about... The Iowa Speedway, Iowa 300, which I always want to call the Iowa Corn 300, because no matter if Iowa Corn is actually sponsoring the event, Corn is still all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-eternal in the state of Iowa. There were also other races that happened, including a W Series doubleheader in Assen in the Netherlands, including the first ever running of what we've affectionately referred to as the Jamie Chadwick non Invitational's Trophy, with a finish that went down to just three one-hundredths of a second. <sighs> yes. And with that, we also have uh, some updates on IMSA from Rhyme Rock Park. Formula E silly season kicking off with a major driver announcement from the reigning team's championships. as uh, Excuse me, the reigning team's champions as Andre Lauder is switching seats to the new Porsche Formula E team. And we'll talk about that and its implications, IndyCar driver news, plus a look to a stacked weekend ahead, which has the F1 German Grand Prix, that IndyCar Grand Prix of Mid-Ohio, the 24 hours of Spa Franker Shop, and the Suzuka 8 hours, all on this jam-packed episode of Motorsport 101. Places you can find us, we are at YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Our Twitter is at Motorsport underscore 101, and if you wish to follow us personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two K's, Stuart, Uh, at RJ O'Connell, and at C. DeHardy. And of course, with your financial support at Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101, you help make this podcast what it is today. For better and for worse. For $5, you get early access to every show we record. And for $10, you can get in the supporter section of our Discord channel and listen to each show as it's being recorded. And and also share hideous engine swap concepts before the recording, including an L-
2: a Chevrolet Ellis swapped Yugo. Man, how how do we explain this to new people who want to join this Discord server?
0: Some people have way too much money.
1: (laughs) Remember, it's the Motorsport 101 supporter section, your official home for Pontiac Aztecs with Lamborghini doors. Yes. This is a West
0: Coast Customs reject.
1: <laughs> Yo, Zibbit heard you like cars, so he put a car inside of a car inside of your tent. Anyway, enough of the dead memes. Motorsport101.com, where you can find all of our written and podcast works. Um, so this is going to be a jam-packed show. But before before we get into Iowa, let's check it back a little bit let's have ourselves a little throwback. Because, uh, something very important happened around this same day, a pretty long time ago. King, why don't you hit him with that, uh, with that first ever automobile race.
2: You gotta take yourselves back to August 20th, 22nd. I mean, July, July 22nd. 22nd. Wow. You gotta take yourself back to July 22nd, 1895, in an event that took months of planning and a whole bunch of shenanigans to actually organize. <laughs> yes. That they were able to complete. An 126-kilometer race from Paris, France, to Rouen, France, and Normandy, and they completed the entire distance. Surprisingly, uh, most of the front run- runners complete the distance under six hours, well, under seven hours. Uh, seven hours on the road. There was a mandatory stop uh, at midway, and the margin of victory was only five minutes. <laughs> this is le petit journal horseless
1: carriages contest from paris to rouen held um, around the same time in 1894 it is the 125th anniversary of this 78 mile 126 kilometer road race from paris to rouen 102 entered and uh yeah this was a this was a trip as Ryan chronicled <laughs> in his long lengthy and very informative twitter thread uh and in the days up to this recording King uh so my goodness so tell me uh, so tell me just' there's just a sort of
2: attrition that we had um in this first ever automobile race, so I think i I kind of glossed over it. I never really talked about it in detail but qualifying for this event happened the week before. That's where you see the the number of entrants being 102. Uh, Yeah, qualifying was intense. Only 21 people qualified from 102. Golly, and you thought
1: Indianapolis 500 bump day was intense. You thought the Gatorade duels at Daytona were
2: intense. So... Oh, I, I don't know the exact number of people actually showed up to qualifying. So the way qualifying worked, it was uh, effectively group qualifying. They broke up people in the groups. Uh, you had a mini loop uh, around, you know, around the outskirts of Paris. Complete the loop, you get to qualify. Uh, don't complete the loop, you don't get to go to the show. But there were numerous no-shows of people who just... For one reason or another, couldn't make qualifying. Uh, notably, Benz wanted to enter two cars. I don't know who they were gonna, their drivers were gonna be because, um, at the time, France did not like Germany a lot. So on the entry list, they were just listed as Deutsch and Deutsch, which, like, just listed on the entry list as German and German. I'm like, guys, you can't do this.
1: Oh geez, that's going to be what happens if like Mercedes withdraws their likeness from the F one games and they have to go full pomante calcio. It's to, they're just going to be called Deutsche Deutsche F one team.
2: Another notable no show was the uh, the only prominent electric car entered in the event from a British company based in. <laughs> Based in Birmingham, uh, let me pull up their exact name. Oh, it's
1: it's not coming home for Gerard and Blumfield. Yeah, Gerard Missing and qualifying
2: Blum- f- <laughs> despite paying the entry fee. But we don't know why they missed the show. So eventually, I flipped through to later uh, issues of Le Petit Journal, and one of one of the uh, one of the owners of the company, uh, C. R. Gerard. like sent in an open letter to be published in the newspaper and he said the reason why they couldn't attend qualifying was they had only built one electric car and between the point where they formally entered the race and qualifying they had sold their only car and didn't have enough time to build a second one
1: but oh my god what was the response to
2: this though <laughs> this is where it gets wild this is where it gets wild they had only built one car they didn't have enough time to build a second one so they asked the owner of of the one they sold could they borrow it to bring the paris to compete in this event the owner declined and in this open letter gerard pretty much yeah gerard pretty much says uh like Readers, you could take up your grievances with the owner. Here is the owner's name and address. He got <laughs> <them>. <laughs> and I'm like, why? <laughs> oh
1: my goodness. Yes, um it was a it was a very interesting route taking us from Ports, Port Mayot and Paris all the way from Mont La Joy Jolly. Did I have that right, Mont Yeah, Jolie? So
2: uh Mont La Jolie. <laughs> so Monte's uh, I think it's Monte uh La Jolie. Uh and then it finishes at uh on the outskirts of Roan, which is like there's like that we're close enough. We don't want to race into a middle of a crowded city. That wouldn't be a good look for all of us.
1: <laughs> no, and of course, uh and of course the winner of the eighteen ninety four Le Petit Le Journal, Horseless Carriages Challenge, would be awarded a prize of? 5,000 franc, which... What is that in American mo- What is that in today's money?
2: Uh Oh, God, I, I need to actually do the, the estimate. So at the time, uh, the franc was on the gold standard, and it was worth about uh, 1.45 kilograms of gold. So you could... Pretty much just look up the price of gold, input that number, and you would you would actually just get, you know, you would get how much it would be worth today. All right. But, of course, after all
1: of this trekking, we have controversy. Controversy in the first ever automobile <laughs> race, King.
0: Was it B.O.P.?
2: It was not BOP, unfortunately. So the first driver across the line was, uh, Jules Albert, the Comte de Don, or just, they just called him Jules Albert de Don. Uh, de Don had his own, uh, steam carriage company. He had, he built steam carriages, thought it was to be good promotion for his race. I mean, good promotion for his, uh, good promotion for his company by competing in the race. Uh, He had experience because, uh, a few years prior, he had organized his own motor race event, and there's, uh, from Paris to Versailles, and there's one particular reason why that is not the first motor racing event, because he was the only entrant, (laughs) so he completed completed the run, but he was the only competitor, so it wasn't really a race...
1: Also, I'm looking at this illustration of what I believe is the company on uh, from 1899. I got to tell you, with that mustache, this man fucks. <laughs> <laughs> this
2: <laughs> man, absolutely fucks. So, his steam carriage ended up being the fastest on the day. He didn't. He didn't make midway. Uh, he wasn't first at midway, but during the second stage, he overtook for the lead and being and was first but to he arrive. Stage breaks well you know the roads were rough they they wanted to stop for lunch they got their lunch <laughs>
0: were there playoff points
2: there were unfortunately not playoff points as they don't quickly realized. <laughs> yeah
1: and no don't worry his bronze driver did not uh did not have to worry about meeting a minimum drive time uh so Compton Dion um he's crossed,
2: he's Finish first, he's the winner, right? Ooh, so the regulations are very vague for this event. Um, Part in the regulation that states that the vehicle must be, quote-unquote, easy to use, because the event organizers intended to advertise, you know, personal motorized travel. There was one issue that the judges found with the don steam carriage that it uh-huh. required someone to uh tend the fire for the steam boiler like if you've ever seen like one of those like old steam locomotives you see you know some dude shoveling coal into a fire well this oh, yeah. this car required someone to put coal into the into the fire to heat the boiler so the judges ruled it was not easy to use since it required a second person for it to, to for it to go so he and got thus, disqualified
1: and thus despite finishing on track first he was disqualified and the next man to finish was
2: Ooh, the next man to finish ended up being ended up being Albert Lametre <laughs> who uh, who he was fast on the road he was he was first he was first at the midpoint he had speed all day but you know he wasn't first across the line. Hmm. And what kind of what kind of carriage was he driving? He was driving a Peugeot. Ah, uh, yes.
1: Why does that name sound familiar? And why does it sound familiar in the context of having overwhelming pace, but ultimately not getting the job done and <laughs> finishing first on track?
2: Oh, uh, so as a little bit of background Peugeot had uh by far the largest team in the field they had entered uh they had f- out of the 21 cars that qualified they had 5 of them uh i part of me wants to be- part of me wants to believe it was to make up for the 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 first ever race Le Petit Journal h- held which was a bicycle race from Paris all the way out to the most Northwestern point of France in Bresque in, in Brittany and back in a bicycle race. Uh, Peugeot had asked the newspaper could they enter one of their cars in the race? Uh, the newspaper applies, let them enter their car. Their car finished was, six days behind.
1: <laughs> I was about to say, if this was the Tour de France that they had tried to enter, like, if you look into the history, especially in the first Tour de France and the subterfuge that went on to deciding
2: that race, dog, I don't know what a, having a car in that would have done. So, uh, the car was... So, the car they entered, the Peugeot Type 3 in the bike race, was very slow. It was unreliable and Peugeot if you you also need to remember Peugeot is also a bicycle manufacturer that's why they were allowed to run because they also had entered bicycles into the same race uh, ah. the old- ah, so this is where they got the inspiration for the 98
1: pros Peugeot I gotcha
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh so they only they reached Bresk you know the midway point of the race the same day, the winners of the bike race made it back to Paris.
1: Oh God! But uh, but a much better time out here in the Paris Rouen. Is that correct?
2: Yes, much better time out. The their latest edition, the Peugeot Type Seven, produced almost twice as much horsepower as the previous car. Uh, they were the best, you know, petrol powered car on the road. Uh, like. Besides uh, LeMaitre finishing second, uh, they had drivers. Their other drivers finished third, fifth. Uh, yeah, I think third, fifth, ninth, and eleventh. Their eleventh place driver was riding a was driving an older model, but he was still like midfield, which is very impressive.
1: Right, and so through all of this, we're down to just. Two contenders. <laughs> two
2: we contenders. We have
1: we have uh we have the man who finished first on the road, the Comte Dion. But the man who has not yet been awarded the victory because uh because he was the first to finish but in an ineligible vehicle, <laughs> or Albert Lemaitre, the first to finish without getting disqualified. Who's gonna take it? Who's gonna claim the five thousand franc
2: prize? So Reading, reading, you know, retrospectives of the event from people who competed in it. Apparently, well, da still he he held a grudge for life against uh, Pierre Gaffard, the the editor of the newspaper, for what had happened. <laughs> because da feels like the newspaper was biased against steam powered cars. They wanted the ga- They wanted a gas car to win, and. Dayton was not awarded the victory. Uh, Peugeot oh, was so awarded the victory. Oh, so this is also victory. our
1: first equivalence of technology controversy. <laughs> yes, I see it is. Decades, centuries before the <laughs> WEC pulled it off.
2: Yes, it is because we we ended up in a strange situation where uh, we ended up and it only ended up with steam and petrol powered cars in the race. We could have ended up with an electric car in the race. Uh, I highly doubt it would have been able to make the finish. Uh, also, other weird qualifiers, a bunch of people try to qualify gravity-powered cars, which, like, the modern equivalent... That's just a
1: soapbox <laughs> car!
2: That's yeah, it's, just it's a, a soapbox just, derby car! Yeah, it's just a soapbox car. Don't know how you're making it to the finish. For obvious reasons, most of them no-showed qualifying, because they knew what they had, and they knew they weren't gonna make it.
1: Like, I've played Gran Turismo 4 enough to know that those one-horsepower carriages aren't even making it up, like, a hill with, like, a
2: 1% grade. A gravity-powered car is not going to win a race like that. So, yeah, there were were nine gravity-powered cars entered, all of them no-showed, five compressed air cars, which... Could work, you would need a massive tank of compressed air, but it could work. Um, there were two cars powered by hydraulics, so they basically like let's just pump f- like fluid through a motor and you know, maybe it'll go. But, uh, though, yeah, there, there was, I wouldn't say there was a bias, but the newspaper, you know, they, they knew. <laughs> they knew that uh they they built up Dada as being someone who if they 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 framed the story in a way of if like if a if a you know one of these petrol-powered cars could beat Day they could do anything like they set day up to be the first loser. unfortunately oh he God. did not lose
1: <laughs> whoops he finished he finished first. But his car was ineligible, but he still finished first. Does he t- Does he still take
2: the Paris rouen Horseless Carriage Challenge? Oh, he does not. Uh, they ended up, I don't know why, he, he got disqualified from winning first prize, but they gave him second place. Which, guys, <laughs> that's not how disqualifications work. <laughs> That's just a, that's just a, you could just apply that as a post-race time penalty nowadays. Yeah, it was like, the like the, the finishing time was, his finishing time was six hours, 40, 48 minutes. Like, he only won by five, like he only won by he only won uh, by three five minutes, minutes because,
1: uh, Lemaitre was, was a six
2: hour 51. Oh yeah. Yeah. The second part of the, cause, uh, they waited at the midway point for everyone to arrive. Then ninety minutes and they went off again. So yeah, the the aggregate time only ended up being three minutes. So it's like they could have found another way. They're gonna be like, "Hey, time penalty for ineligible car." But no, we're disqualifying you from winning the main prize. You're just getting the second prize, which right and. It- and of course, uh, all this
1: you would have known, by the way, if you had checked the Mercedes AMG Twitter account, trying to
2: spoil the whole festivities, <laughs> yeah. ruin the moment. So the way I live tweeted it was pretty much uh, as it would have happened in real time. And then I think during the during their approach to the finish, Mercedes was like, "Well, guys, we won this the first ever motor race 125 years ago. Well, we didn't win. We supplied the motor." But you know, we won it though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Didn't y'all withdraw anyway?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So qualify. So I know uh, the five Fuzos in the race and the the four Panards in the race were all powered by Daimler Motors. So they made up most of the field. The only car in the field that didn't have a Daimler uh, gas motor was the Benz. Because the oh, bench so a it's, so, it's, so it's
1: all, so it's all Daimler customer engines. The front of the grid. Oh Christ! <laughs> it's like 2014 F1 all over again. Um, someone
2: call that idiot from Forbes. And then uh, I don't know why the judges felt this way, but they obviously they're not awarding five thousand franc to a single driver. They award it to the manufacturer. But. <laughs> Uh, they decided to split the prize between uh, split the prize between Peugeot and Panard, which I find strange. But they found this perfectly normal. Uh, I'm pretty sure Panard was happy to get a you know half of first prize despite their best car finishing fourth. <laughs> yeah, this is a large chunk of change, by the way. Yeah, I think say no small pennies. So in today's money, just on like the raw price of gold. The total amount for first prize was just under $66,500. Okay, that's less money than I would have expected, but I mean, hey, that's
1: more than a non charter NASCAR entry gets paid for a <laughs> race. Um, so um, I got to ask, and I know, Chris, you've been listening in, you have any spicy takes about this uh, very first uh, automobile race?
2: Oh, <sighs> spicy takes. Well,. My spicy take is that Daydon should have won. Like they like I understand why they didn't want him to win. It would have been it would have been bad for the French automotive industry if Daydon yeah. won. But like Daydon was very scorned. He ended up co founding uh, you know, the Automobile Club de France, which the Automobile Club de France ran international motorsport up until the early twenties, and they pretty much uh the ACF co-founded the FIA and ran the FIA. So mm, if they don't would have one, it's, it's very easy to say that the FIA would be a completely different body than it is today.
1: And the less said about what happened to some of the individuals after this race, the better.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, privately I've spoken about what had happened to Albert Lemaitre, who you can go, you know, <laughs> read about. Uh Comte Don. He also has a very controversial well past, well future at this point which uh, his rivalry with the newspaper editor just escalates to national proportions where it's front page news that he openly hates his newspaper editor. And they ended up in massive political squabbles, which they actually ended up in jail for for two weeks for physically assaulting the president of France at a Parisian horse track. (laughs) And somehow this wasn't the worst case of bodily harm on the podium. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, I I rather not say. You could read into it, uh. Though I will give yeah, you it's bad. It's, it's bad. It's, it's, re- it's real bad. Um, next year in terms of next year, it's almost uh a repeat of what happens this year of where the fastest car on the road again doesn't win, and that was the spark of Daydon just being fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> and founding he didn't he didn't lose next year next the next year he didn't even enter that's how that's how done he was but uh actually no he did enter but he did not qualify i it, yeah uh he himself didn't qualify but his teammate ended up qualifying failed to finish uh but uh panard had won the year, uh, the next year, in at the Paris-Bordeaux, Paris, their car ended up being disqualified for a very similar reason this year, uh, but not as dumb. They're all gas-powered cars the next year, uh, but Peugeot ended up getting handed the win again. <laughs> Fantastic!
1: <laughs> and that, and that all, in all of its late nineteenth-century silliness, was the inaugural. Paris Rouen Le Petit Journal Horseless Carriages Challenge. Um, I I couldn't get a chance to watch the race on television on the fact that the medium was not <laughs> invented for another seventy five years at least. Uh, well before broadcast rights to motorsport were even a thing, let alone organized motorsport in general. Um, but from the disruption king, I, I think I would uh, I would certainly give this a uh, um, certainly a good. Uh, a nine
2: uh, nine coal powered um, shovelers out of ten. Yes, yes, it, it is definitely up there. Not the perfect start to an entire sport, but it was good enough that people wanted more. Mercedes, you bastard! Stop trying to spoil the finish. <laughs> yes, just just let us have our one moment. You're already
1: quicker than most people in your field and everything else. You locked out the a podium
2: 125 years ago, and you still got a flex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, with that said... Let's, uh, let's fast forward a little bit to the present day. And after this quick music interlude, we'll be back to discuss the IndyCar Iowa 300 at Iowa Speedway. Joseph!
2: Joseph! We still need a bugger. Come on! Come Where are you, my French little friend? friend! Simon,
0: American
1: boy! My French friend! Where are you? Uh, Chris, what have you done? You brought all this rain to Iowa. You made us all stay up late. And now we're officially... In IndyCar, after dark territory.
0: Oh, it was coming down hard, everybody. I can tell you. <laughs> no, it was. was so, uh,
1: the track was so damp. They had to. They had to dry all the wipers off the surface. All
0: oh. holes in the
1: surface. And oh, suck what? out the water. God. Takuma Sato had himself two dinners and a nap. <laughs> The other best story from the extended IndyCar radio pre-race show. Iowa 300, everybody. Um, We got it in on the scheduled day. It was much later because this was supposed to be a dusk to nighttime finish, but because of the weather delays, it started in full darkness, did it not, Chris?
0: Completely dark. It was started just after 1045 at night. Um, Yeah. It, it was should have been start it should have started at night anyway which was the comment that several drivers made but uh eh, can't pick and choose this one can we
1: No no but that it did ultimately uh it don't ultimately work out for the for everyone better on uh yeah the official start of the race was delayed four and a half hours due to lightning and heavy rain a lot you're of us welcome. thought we were you're not gonna get this race in surely not. But finally at 11:45 p.m. Eastern time we got the race going again. And then not even a half hour later we had another shower and a red flag.
2: Like it at that point I had like I had to be at, in, I had to be at work the next morning so I literally gave up and went to sleep. <laughs>
1: I remember passing out just before the start of the race and waking up to the final restart after the uh, the third and final caution. I-, I remember just being awake enough to uh, to see to listen to the finish, and then just feeling like awesome. Now back to bed. <laughs> I was not conscious enough for this. I couldn't imagine like being. At the event itself, through all these delays and just thinking like, is this, are we going to have to come back tomorrow? Are we going to, when are we going to start the race tomorrow if we have to do this? Are we going to get this all in tonight? But it turned out to be a really, really damn good race. Iowa Speedway is a fantastic little short track, especially made uh, for cars like this. There's plenty of side-by-side action and the racing is always good. And it can also lead to some pretty dominant drives. Enter one Joseph Newgarden, who, again, in
2: 2016, won this race with a broken freaking hand and collarbone. Yeah, if we could just go back, listen to the previous episode. At the end, we said, hey, Newgarden's really good here.
1: Turns out he's still good. He led 245 laps and took his fourth win of the season and extended his points lead. Fun fact: This is the fourth time in five years that Newgarden has led the most laps. Because uh, if you'll recall, last year um, you'll recall last year he led 229 out of the 300 laps, but only finished in only finished in fourth. But this time he closed out the deal.
0: Yeah, Joe, um, Joseph Newgarden has had a very, very good time here at Iowa Speedway. Had a couple of seconds um, two years ago, but um, last year, you know, he lost out to James Hinchcliffe late in the going and pitted underneath the final caution. This year, they sealed the deal and really did a fantastic job. Um, really, the biggest story for me, though, was the points battle because, you know, he finished fourth at Toronto and lost ground to Alexander Rossi. Now he's gained to where he's got a 29 point lead in the championship. newgarden has got it going on. Coming up to Mid Ohio, he's won there. Coming up to Gateway, he's won there too. Pocono, second. He's, he's got some good momentum coming up, but i tell you what, it was actually entertaining to see him drive the way he did, knowing that, you know, his championship is at stake here.
1: I believe as well. He also said he was he was feeling upset after Friday qualifying because he had to see Simon Pagino take pole position right from underneath of him. Even though he knew he had a quick car, he was just determined to get out there and show that he had a quick car during the race. A- yeah, another him, thing, him
0: and Power yeah. were both uh, visibly exacerbated. In fact, Power even you know raised his hands up you know asking for divine intervention for the race and. Um, Divine Dimension came but it surely didn't benefit him in the race and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> right. Um
1: yeah, that's New Gardens fourth win of the season and it stands out as championship lead. We'll get into that. Uh as also the 14th victory in his career and the race finished at 2:14 a.m. Eastern time. Man, that I didn't
0: <laughs> that get to my nice. hotel room until I didn't get to bed until 4:40 4:14 4:15 in the morning actually central time.
2: Oh my god. Yeah, you you're probably uh, seeing, like, the sun starting to rise.
0: I was seeing stars, alright.
1: And I know because of the weather delays, it wasn't necessarily the largest crowd on hand for an IndyCar Oval race, but the fans who stuck around all the way to the better end, y'all are the real MVPs, honestly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, man, like, oh, like, anytime my, my favorite... Races on the IndyCar calendar always short ovals. Uh, well, the Milwaukee used to be my favorite. Iowa is my favorite now. And anytime there are talks about, hey, we should go back to X short oval, it's like the main arguments. Like, oh, will the fans show up? And fan in Iowa, they definitely showed up. And despite the delays, you know, they were passionate fans. They're willing to wait it out to see the race. Shout outs as well to the UK crew.
1: Um, where the race ended closer to 8 a.m. I remember getting tweets from from friend of the show, Zoe Hamilton, who was watching the race until the sun came up in Scotland as she was figuring out how to mix different brands of pink sparkling gin. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, I don't blame Dre at all one bit for just checking out early on this one. But, man, if you were able to stay up this lane, you gotta you got to see a dominant drive. And just behind him, you got to see yet another incredible, where did he come from, Scott Ditson comeback drive. <laughs> That's what
2: he does best.
1: I'd just like to point out that Scott Ditson, for most of this race, was a lap down and at risk of going two laps down. But he and Mike Hole kept plugging at it. And thanks to a late decision to switch on to new tires or the final stint, Scott Nitson clawed his way all the way back to a second-place finish. In a race he had no business even being up in the top five to begin with. Chris, how does, he do, how does he do this?
0: Uh, Kevin Harvick once said he had a golden horseshoe stuck up his ass. So, I don't know, it might be the same thing for Scott. But the thing with Scott was that he was... You know, waiting, waiting, waiting to make his last pit stop, and it just so happened right after I tweeted that Scott Dixon would benefit from a yellow, Ed Carpenter (laughs) spins exiting turn two, hits the wall with the right side of the car, and Scott Dixon pits under yellow because, of course, that's what you do at Iowa with 30 laps to go. Yeah, those
1: that that fresh rubber really helped him make up ground. He had a bit of a fight with James Hinchcliffe for uh, for second place in the end. Um, um, Hinchcliffe doing well despite you know nearly giving out Santa Rossi food poisoning on accident <laughs> during an impromptu barbecue session. "Quote unquote
2: accident."
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, re- I remember listening back to that, and Hinch, and they mentioned, like, you know, Rossi said you served him some undercooked chicken, and Hintz was just like, oh, yeah, that was actually what I meant to feed him. You know, I'm hoping by about lap 150 in the race that his stomach starts to turn, he starts to feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, that's our that's going to be our strategy. <laughs> but, yes, Scott Ditson. um Coming back from a lap down to finish in second, another incredible comeback drive, and one that certainly keeps his championship hopes alive. Also, fun stat from an IndyCar post-race report, in 316 starts in his career, Scott Nitson has finished first or second 90 times. That's 28.5%. Oh.
2: God, oh god. He has as many
0: wins as he does second place finishes.
2: He can't he be stopped. St- he can't be stopped.
1: He still has reasonably four or five more elite level years in the sport.
0: He's gonna have to have more than that. His wife's pregnant again. Oh
2: god,
1: oh god. Oh, I see.
0: So he's gotta keep racing to go support another kid. <laughs>
1: That's true. These pancakes aren't going to cook themselves. (laughs) Um, We mentioned some of the other uh, title contenders. Simon Paginot took pole position with a blistering time on Friday when it was still daytime out, the sun was out, and it was hot. Now, obviously, with the much uh, cooler conditions at the nighttime, Pagano's car didn't seem to react too well to the change in conditions. While we finished a respectable fourth, it wasn't what it could have been given his qualifying performance.
2: Yeah, it seemed like...
0: For Pagino, um, you know, he'd been riding this humongous wave of momentum, and the last two races that he started on pole from, he won, and... I mean, going into the weekend, I was thinking, yeah, if he wins the poll, he's going to win. But, I mean, he won at uh, Phoenix a couple years ago. That was his first ever Oval win. I was thinking, well, he knows I don't want a short Oval. Why not win here? Fortunately, it just didn't happen.
2: Yeah, I think that was like a consequence of the, of the rain delay where it's like less of the track not being as rubbered in as it could be more of just, you know, Just sitting there, waiting. The track just bleeding off heat as you know the night goes on. The weepers, (laughs) the weepers. Yeah,
1: he led only the first lap, and then he net. He only led. No, he led only the first two laps, and then just dropped from there, and was never a factor for the victory after that point. It was also a surprisingly subpar day at the office for Alexander Rossi, who only came away with a sixth place finish. Yes, it does keep him within 29 points of the lead, but given Andretti Autosport's uh, previous track record of a spent, you kind of feel like maybe more could have been expected out of him. <laughs> yeah, he, he did, just didn't have the car underneath of him. Um, as we're going through the finishing order, There were seven cars that finished on the lead lap, and two of them tied or made their best finishes of the season. Spencer Piggott from 19th to finish 5th, and
2: Zach Veach from 20th to finish 7th. Great job for both these young men. Yeah, they were tremendous on track. I ended up watching the the 30-minute fast-forward, and man, Veach was very confident out there. Yeah, confident as you could be, because Chris, he didn't
1: necessarily think that he was gonna be starting this race because
0: I must his have fuel tank. That.
1: Yeah, his uh his fuel tank uh started to started to leak out, I believe, so they had to take the car back to the garage before wheeling it out before the start.
0: That must have been when I was stuck in my car waiting for the rain to come down. I didn't have a...
1: Yeah! I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. get cell
0: volted I couldn't get internet access or anything, <laughs> so I was completely in the dark for that time.
1: Oh, no, yeah, yeah, something was up with Veach's fuel tank. They had to wheel the car back in the pits. And considering how many times Zach Veach has caught on fire inadvertently at times a season, you know, I think that was for the best. And ultimately, they did get the car in working condition for him to finish seventh. His best result of the season, hey, good for him. He is on his way to breaking what's been a tough sophomore season in that number 26 car.
0: It was good to see Veach uh, get this kind of momentum, um, especially when you look at the fact that the next race is his home race in Mid Ohio. Um, he has he just hasn't had a good year this year. I mean, last year he did well at Long Beach. He did pretty well in the last half of the year, but I mean, this year just has not been for him. Uh, so I'm happy to see him do well this one, this time around. Happy to see that.
1: Yes, and Spencer Pickett as well. He's starting to like Iowa Speedway because in his two visits, he was second last year and he was fifth this year. And I know at Carpenter Racing, they build quick cars around Iowa Speedway, but Spencer is really taking a liking to this track, I must say. And I've got to feel like that first win is going to be coming sooner rather than later. Uh, there were a number of cars and a number of drivers that found themselves in the wars. Um... Unfortunately, among them, Will Power was running up near the front, but he was tagged with a drive-through penalty for an improper pin entry that knocked him down to the tail end of one lap down. He finished in 15th. And Takuma Sato was running up in the top five, but not even having two dinners and a nap was going to save him for tripping over uh, Sage Karam's car. He had, Sage checked up, Sato run in the back of him, that spins him at a lap, around lap 168, he retires after 216 Actually, you have that in reverse. Oh, yeah, so it was Karam who tripped over uh, Sato after Sato checked up. I, I remember Correct. now, I see. Yeah. Well, their uh, are
0: car numbers 30 and 31, so...
1: Yeah, they just they just look a little different. Oh man, that that's a bummer for Sato. He was having such a good race, and that really does put another hammer blow to his title hopes. Because a, a top five finish would have gone a long way to help him keep pace with the likes of Newgarden and Pagano and Rossi and and uh, and uh, Ditsen up in front of him. Uh, same for Power as well. With that fifteenth place finish, he drops further and further away from Newgarden's lead.
0: Yeah, so Power is now 165 points down with five races to go. And I asked him uh, after the race is done, you know, is this how much harder does it make your championship uh, chance? He said, dude, it's damn near impossible. Now he's just going to try and, uh, you know, try and win every race that he can from here on out. I think we're going to see, I don't want to say a desperate willpower, but a willpower that really has nothing left to lose uh, for this year. You know, try and drive his butt off to try and win here. Um, he won at Pocono. I uh, believe he did win at Gateway last year. Um, yeah. You know, he's had victory snatched from him twice at mid-Ohio over the last couple of years. Uh, or the last few years, rather. So, I think we're going to see a change in willpower for the rest of the year. Um, Sato was only 11 points behind him. Uh, Hunter Ray... You know, two, not sitting on yeah. 298. Yeah, talk about a guy yeah. who as
1: well, Hunter Ray, only finishing 17th. A man who loves this track and has had so much success here.
0: Yeah, he's got two wins here. And uh, he, he's another guy that hasn't had much luck recently. He's had three straight finishes outside the top 10. Um, I don't know what's going on with uh, with him or really I don't, everybody else at Andretti except for Alexander Rossi. Um, you, you look at the rest of Andretti Autosport. um we talked about Zach Feech earlier, but Marco Andretti, he was called to pit road for being basically too slow.
1: Oh, 95 laps down, retired after 205 for what is officially listed as handling problems.
0: Um, I, I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, like, like really, like within as, as good as Andretti Autosports has been, I just I don't know what's going on with Marco this year. Um I mean, Iowa. It's the place where he got his last win. He's done well there before in the past. I just don't know what's been going on with, with him this. This like in the last three races, he's he retired at Road yeah. America, tenth at Toronto, and you know twenty first at Iowa. I, I'm hoping he gets another top ten because if you look at the roller coaster, it's it's time to go up.
1: Excellent. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, and of course. Uh, it, it shout outs to IndyCar as well. They had actually uploaded that 2011 Iowa, uh, 300 race. It was a fantastic drive. And of course, great to hear the late, great Dan Weldon on commentary, uh, as well for that event. Uh, it was a, it was a good race. If you, especially if you were hardy enough to stay up through the whole thing, um, here is the, uh, the rundown of the finishing order again. Joseph Newgarden winning the race, 245 laps led, and a margin of victory of 2.8 seconds over Scott Dixon in second, James Hinchcliffe finishing third, Pulsitter Simon Fatt, Paginot dropping to fourth place, Spencer Piggott in 15th, up from 19th on the grid, improved 14 places, Alexander Rossi finishes where he started in sits. Zach Feach, the last of the lead lap finishers, moving up 13 spots to finish 7th. Graham Rahal was first off the lead lap in 8th. Sebastian Bourdais moved up 12 spots. A very good drive for Bourdais, going from 21st to finish 9th. Tony Canon with a top 10 finish in 10th. Two rookies in 11th and 12th. Marcus Erickson, who really likes this track, in 11th. And Santino Ferrucci, who got a mammoth start at the finish. To oh, man. Oh man, what a good start! I hate saying it, but both rookies. I
0: want to talk about both rookies here real quick. Um, Erickson really, really enjoyed this close action on at Iowa Speedway. He was he really enjoyed, you know, being able to pass and repass other cars, and it's. I I drew the comparison. It's basically the closest thing that an oval track is to a streets that an oval track is to a street circuit because here, you know, it's elbows out. It's really tight confines. You've got to really, you know muscle yourself around people and Ferrucci. Ferrucci had some amazing moves you know going around people on restarts and actually fighting alexander rossi for a top five spot early on in the race you know not bad for the driver that calls uh, sebastian Borde a dad uh when dad has his 200th start
1: <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, Marcus was driving the Oval like a road course, and he seems like he's having a lot more fun here than in the last years of his F1 career, especially in that time at k The less said about that, the better. Connor Daly, finishing a strong 13th, he qualified 16th, it looks like he's getting that Carlin team turned around just a little bit.
0: Yeah, when you look at uh, where Connor started, he started, I think, well, that was like 16th. Um, he was running mid-pack the whole way through, and... He could have gotten eleventh or twelfth, but you got to sometimes take what you can get. He has he hasn't actually done really well at Iowa Speedway too in the last couple of years. So it was mm-hmm. good to see him, you know, complete the race just one lap down. And a, a race for Carlin that you know some people may have seen it as oh it's just going to be a throwaway because you've got two drivers in in the team that have never worked together before. How well are they going to do? But both drivers have won on the road at Iowa Speedway on the road to Indy as well.
1: Yes, let's see here. Um, Felix Rosenquist out here uh, confusing uh, confusing everybody with himself and Scott Ditson finishing in 14th. Will Powers mentioned in 15th. Mateus Leist 16th, two laps down ahead of Ryan Hunter-Reay in 17th. There were only uh, there were only five retirements. Colton Herta broke down after lap 276. Ed Carpenter, as mentioned, spun and tagged the wall with 38 to go. Takuma Sato had that run-in with Sage Karam. He retired after 216 laps. Marco Andretti officially retired after 205 with a handling problem. And as mentioned, Sage Karam, his second race back with Carlin, uh, was just in the wars all day and classified 22nd and last after starting 14th.
0: It wasn't an ideal race for Karam. Um... Uh, I, also, I have actively really say this with uh, the whole Colton and hurt situation he came into this race looking really really nice um you know his car handled well everything looked you know like it was on form for him I hesitate to say I credit that with cutting his hair but I don't know maybe. Oh, God, Colt, oh, no,
1: Colton cut his hair, I forgot. And, of course, I love the tweet that he made during the rain delay, and it was just like, guys, I appreciate you being concerned about my bedtime, but, uh, Dad said I could stay up all night and even hang out with my friend overnight. Tech <laughs> George Steinbrenner Fourth. oh, this is so good. Um... Next up, of course, we have Mid-Ohio, where we have had six different winners in the last six years, but if history is any indicator, uh, you may look to the likes of Scott Ditson and Alexander Rossi, who have excelled here in recent years, and especially historically in the case of Ditson, who always does well at Mid-Ohio, seemingly.
0: Yeah, Dixon's won here five times, uh, but he hasn't won here since 2014. Uh, He started working with Chris Simmons, his current engineer, in 2015, so they're looking for their first win together at the track. Um, That pretty much was Dixon's personal playground for a few years there. But um, if last year's anything to go by, I, 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 I don't see how I can pick against Rossi. Then again, I haven't picked against Rossi in a few races now, so... I don't know, is it, is it just because he's that damn good, or is it just because he's the most entertaining driver to watch in American racing today? Probably both. Why not?
1: Sums it up succinctly. Again, just to recap, the championship standings, Joseph Newgarden with 487 points now has a 29-point lead over Alexander Rossi in second. Simon Pagenaud third on 429 points, and it's another 40 points back to Scott Ditson in fourth coming off of force three straight top five finishes. Will Power slides to fifth on 322 points. He's 11 points out of Tukumasato and sits on 311. Ryan Hunter-Reay, the best of the rest, in seventh on 298, just eight points out of Graham Ray Hall on 290. Then another 11 points back to James Hinchcliffe in ninth place. Sebastian Bourdais and Felix Rosenquist, your leading rookie in the race, tied each at 255 points. With five races remaining, including the double points finale at Laguna Seca. Oh, baby, this is going (laughs) to get good. We are down to effectively four realistic title contenders. And we've got a good variety of races coming up. It's going to be awesome.
0: I was going to say, you know road course, super speedway, short oval, road course, road course. We just got out of a short oval, and the one before that was a street circuit. How much more diverse can you get in motorsports than this? Is there any wonder why I think IndyCar is probably the best championship going right now?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point. Um, and it's, of course, it's it's so densely packed. If we're going to have a, net swing, a race next week. They just keep cramming oh, it in there.
2: Yep, yeah, July is packed for IndyCar. And it it feels like it feels like a lot like differently than F1 where when when you get to the end of the season you know there're not a lot of back-to-backs you know the season kind of starts to stretch out but no when IndyCar gets closer to the finale the number of races just start ramping up this
1: was the second in 3 consecutive weeks with IndyCar races and then um, after that we'll have Three straight weeks where we go to Pocono, Gateway, and Portland. Excuse me, Pocono Worldwide Technology Raceway, Gateway, and Portland. (laughs) Before we eventually get to Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey on September 22nd. You mean Worldwide
0: Technology Raceway with the LAP Sponsorship Fund?
1: Oh yes, with LAP 101, sponsored by Motorsport 101. Oh, man. There was, of course, some other racing that happened. We'll take a short break and get into some of that, as well as the rest of the news that is fit to record. Right after this. Oh man, King, um... W Series happened, not once, but twice. But twice. In Aston. Yeah, double dutching. DTM. Yes. DTM also happened. Marco Whitman and Mike Rockenfeller won races. But uh, we've taken a liking to the W Series. We were skeptical at first with the idea of work, but, you know, the racing is damn good. And it's especially awesome to see people get a chance to succeed. Such as Emma Kamalainen, who has had... Um, a very very rough season in 2019, has
2: she not? Yes, away with injuries. She's been cleared to return. She's fit to return, and oh, she definitely Was gave she her <laughs> ever fit to return.
1: Emma Kimmelinen from seemingly nowhere wins from pole position in the fourth round of the championship at the TT Circuit Assen. You know, you could say it's weird to see cars at Assen, the traditional bike track, but I'll tell you, and especially when we get to the next race we're going to talk about, I'd say it's perfectly fine to have cars at
2: Assen. Ooh, it is perfectly fine. And man, uh, heading into the weekend, Kimmelainen said that she she felt that this would be a venue that would suit her. And oh, she certainly showed that she was very fast around the track, very, you know, commanding uh, position out front made the best of it, didn't make any mistakes brought home the victory if I'm not mistaken did she complete the grand slam out of this too because
1: I know she won from pole positions at the fastest lap, did she lead every lap of this race? Uh, I'm not sure because I only read I only watched the highlights for race one that does sound about right, it's at least a hat trick and a dominant drive for Emma Kimmelainen, who I know has been waiting and hoping to get back into this car for so long since her injuries put her on the shelf. Um, you have to wonder, if not for that injury, we
2: probably would have seen her uh, up in title contention. Well, uh, it's already been confirmed that if... She she has pretty much all the rights to come back next year because they have confirmed that if you finish in the top 12 in the championship, you're automatically qualified to participate next year. And
1: that is uh, And
2: that is very good. As we mentioned, we have a title
1: race on the line here, and it looks like this has narrowed it down to, uh, to two realistic contenders, your girl Jamie Chadwick and Bietzka Visser, who finished together on the road by just six tenths of a second Chadwick in third and Visser in fourth with Alice Powell Alice Powell completing the podium in second great to see her finally cl- lock one up after so many good drives but just not enough luck
2: yeah it's it's always great to see uh you know these drivers that we don't that we didn't get to see race very often before now make a name for themselves, put out good performances, because, yes, we might see, you know, uh, frequently we see Visser and Chadwick up front, but usually someone could put in a good performance and show that they're worth something.
1: Indeed. On the other hand, uh, some some other aspiring title contenders did take To take fatal blows to their championship hopes. Marta Garcia only finishing in ninth after that win at the Norris ring. Uh, So she drops out of title contention. Fabian Volwyn was the last driver to finish on the lead lap in 15th. There were only uh, two retirements. Uh, Mickey Koyama and Tasman Pepper both got involved in a first lap accident. Uh, so they were the only two out in the championship race. So again, that's Kimmelinen. A great victory, well deserved ahead of Alice Powell in second, Jamie Chad with third, Bietzka or fourth, Kate Wood in fifth, Goja Redest is Goja Rebest in sixth, Jessica Hawk in seventh, Vicky Peria eighth, Marta Garcia ninth, and Sarah Moore in rounding out the top ten.
2: That was the championship race.
1: Let's talk about this non-championship
2: race game. <laughs> Ooh, the Jamie Chadwick disinvitational. Man, a reverse grid race the, with the grid being, you know, lined up in reverse championship order. Uh, a lot of people were just, a lot of people came in with an open mind. They, they're they like, we're not sure if it's going to be work out to be fantastic, but I'm just going to sit back, see what happens, and... We got a lot of action out of it.
1: Yeah, and again, this was announced with weeks to go before the race actually got going. So with the inverted championship order was Megan Gilkes and uh, Sarah Bovey starting on the front row of the grid. As mentioned, Jamie Chadwick would start back in 20th because she was the championship leader.
2: And there might not have been any points on the line. The drivers had a lot to lose if they were too aggressive because the cars that they were driving in would be the cars that they'd be driving at the championship finale at Brands Hatch.
1: And that is coming up just around the corner, too. That's like, that's in August. This season's almost already over. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. And this, this Jamie Chadwick Disinvitational Classic traded us to
2: a fantastic finish king oh god it's 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 been a while well i say since monaco probably since i've seen a uh single seater race not on an oval end this close (laughs) oh my goodness in the end alice powell
1: was the woman on a charge she started 17th and had made her way all the way to the back of Megan Gilkey's gearbox. And it came down to a final lap, final quarter sprint. Powell thought she had it over the line, but in the end, Megan Gilkey's, by three-one-thousandths-of-a-second, takes the victory in the non-championship Jamie Chadwick Disinvitational Classic.
2: And she might have won from pole, but it was certainly not an easy win from pole in a race that oh, no. in a race that included two safety car restarts. She held on to the lead the whole way. Yes, and
1: uh, shout outs as well to America's own Sabre Cook, finishing with the fastest lap and rounding off the podium just three tenths off the win.
2: And I mean, Saber had a tremendous start. She, she, for a second at the start, I was like, "Did she jump the start?" Because the way her car took off compared to everyone else's, I was worried. Ah, uh,
1: yes, uh, yes. Uh, bike racing would know all about jump starts and what is a jump start. <laughs> yes, old oh, man, this was this was so much fun. If you if you haven't already, go out of your way to watch uh, this W Series race. Uh, when you are able to, this is not championship race. It's, it's yes. something really awesome.
2: Yeah, it's it's not geo blocked. It's all available. the Entire race on YouTube.
1: <laughs> Kevin Harvick won the NASCAR Cup Series race at New Hampshire, uh, which means you get to recite the uh, the famous chant for free onion rings. Jimmy, Jimmy, help me please, please drop the onion fees. <laughs> Um, and also, IMSA at Lime Rock Park happened. Uh, Ford won in a Titanic battle with Porsche for the overall victory, and afterwards, Ben Keating got into a Twitter beef with Catherine Legg. <laughs> just just normal IMSA things. Just normal IMSA things from the, from the company that brought you the Andy Lally Sage Karam Fight in the Waffle House Special. Oh, and also Corvette racing were absolutely nowhere thanks to BOP changes after Watkins Glen. Thanks, BOP. Oh goodness. Yeah. Just imagine if these were coal-powered Corvettes.
2: <laughs> They'd dominate, right?
1: And Boomers would still like them more than the C eight. <laughs> It's a mid-engine car, it looks like a Ferrari, it looks fine. It looks fine, it may not sound as good, but oh, it's great, it's a good car. (laughs) I'm not thinking of a Colesaw-powered race car, Chris.
2: We're not having this discussion on a recorded episode. (laughs) That is for the server and the server only.
1: (laughs) I'm leaving this in. Chris, we have a we have a we have a new face on the IndyCar grid, but it's an old face and a familiar one. And I believe you want to bet.
0: So, RC Anderson, um, he's got an interesting history. He drove in USF2000 for a few years. He drove in Indy Lights for 2015, and he's. He in part of 2016, and then he drove at Mid Ohio and a couple of other races in 2016. Hasn't been in the car for a while, but he's he's been keeping fit and keeping uh keeping in shape, and he's going to have another shot to uh to race here coming up at Mid Ohio with Carlin in the number 31 car. Uh, his father's his family's business is the Lucas Oil School of Racing, and they will be the primary sponsors for the number 31 car uh, this coming weekend. Mid ohios a bit of a um, an interesting track for RSC. He was leading the 2014 USF 2000 Points Championship when, unfortunately, he and Victor Franzoni got uh, got together. Um, and that kind of started the downfall of his championship run that year. Didn't win the title. In 2015, I want to say it was, he uh, actually won an Indy Lights race at the track. So, he knows his way around Mid-Ohio, and it should be a good showing for him and Carlin. And also, let's not forget, Carlin got their first ever Firestone Fast 6 appearance mid-ohio
1: indeed and uh for enerson you know he only driven three indycar races at the end of 2016 with coin i can tell you he looked look quick in all of them and again he's been out of action for a little while he's still only 22 years old i'll be interested to see how he performs in that number 31 car uh as well um formula e silly season kicked off we don't, don't even big. get a. We don't even get a week outside of the season, and already the bombshell drops that Champ Car World Series alum <laughs> and three and three-time Le Mans winner and Super Formula and Super GT champion Andre Lauderer is leaving Tachita and going to Porsche.
2: Open the floodgates <laughs> open the and floodgates. begin the speculation. Oh, everyone. Everyone send your CVs to Tachita. Hey, maybe you'll get to be jean Eric Vern's teammate next year.
1: Oh, and there is an <laughs> there is one interesting rumor that I have heard, and it ties into some recent Formula 1 Silly Season rumors. So apparently the word in the garage is that Romain Grosjean is effectively driving for his F1 career this weekend at Germany, uh, which we'll get into a bit. I think he will see out the season, but there's talk that... Grosjean may be linked to a switch to Formula E to take that second seat at Tachita. And honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think it would actually be a good fit. And here's why. Because Grosjean is starting to stagnate and he's starting to press way too hard. Uh, Haas, on the other hand, they are also starting to stagnate. This is a partnership that is no longer beneficial, and Grosjean has not been in a situation where he can win a race since 2013 where he probably should have won that Japanese Grand Prix. He had gotten got of those Red Bulls! The trade-off would, of course, be that Esteban Ocon would take over his place at Haas. I mean, you know, there's a lot of open candidates. Could you see Romain Grosjean working out with this team in uh, Season 6?
2: Yes, Grosjean would be fan- would be a fantastic get for the team. Though the the rumors, well, before the whole Grosjean driving for his career thing came up, the the most popular rumor that I have heard so far that the second seat would probably end up going to current to a test driver James Rossiter, another Super Formula and
1: Super GT alum, just yep. passing the torch <laughs> from the one to the other. Um, I'd heard Antonio Felix D'Acosta's name floated about, but I don't see it because he's still pretty, pretty solid with BMW, is he not? Yes, and BMW looks very
2: competitive.
1: I mean, hell, for all we know, Ty Dillon could end up in this seat in 2020.
2: (laughs) oh my god, no.
1: Better than, better than Austin Dillon, and better than that one picture of Austin Dillon.
2: I, I would sneak beers into the track just so I could throw it on the track. Yeah, and again,
1: <laughs> if Tachita can just you know not trip over each other, that would be great. We also got some reports from the Spanish press that uh, we're going to have a major move in the uh, in the design portion of Formula One because it looks like Aldo Costa is going to leave Mercedes at the end of this year, and apparently he's going to be moving back home to Ferrari. Ooh, man, what? part of
2: me is like, why? <laughs> why?
1: <laughs> Oh, Ferrari might need all the help that they can get. Again, Alta Costa has been instrumental in designing Mercedes' incredible cars, including their new throwback livery that they are set to reveal in bits and pieces leading up to the German Grand Prix, you for that Paris to Rouen
2: thing and the 125th anniversary of motor racing that we talked about. Though, if I had to hedge my bets, their throwback livery seems to be partially a nod back to... uh, their first quote-unquote Grand Prix car it was not a Grand Prix car. That thing was a massive tank. Uh, the the Mercedes SSK. But not like an actual massive tank. <laughs> no, it was not tank. an
1: actual tank. It was, no, it was not a Formula <laughs> Truck, which I'm kicking myself that I did not watch the Formula Truck race
2: on this, the official podcast of the Formula Truck series. So, yeah, it seems like it is either uh, a nod to their SSK, which... Uh, Actually, one Grand Prix, despite being like almost well, all, looking in pictures twice the size of the Bugattis at the time, uh, one Grand Prix, you know, in the hands of Rudy Caracciola in the like late twenties, early thirties. He calls him Rudy. <laughs> Hey, now there's a there's a Rudy whose accomplishments weren't
1: embellished for the silver screen.
2: <laughs> yes, well, that thing was Master Tank. It had it raced at Monaco, and people we were like, "How is this possible? How can something this large race at Monaco, not knowing you know?" how big F1 cars nowadays would be. And also, it seems like it could also be a nod back to uh, the, Mer- the Mercedes GP 1914, which won the last Grand Prix before before World War One, which happened before the war started, but after Franz Ferdinand had gotten assassinated. Weird time, but they ran the French Grand Prix still, and that car won the race. <laughs> And of course, with them bringing out their
1: W10B upgrade package, they're going to put on a vintage throwback to earlier this spring by leveling the field in Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Now the only question is, who's going to finish third? Um, We have have other racing that's going to happen, of course. We have the aforementioned IndyCar, Mid-Ohio. Ditson seems to be a favorite. Rossi seems to be a favorite. And hey, it's in Ohio! Ain't much happening going on in Ohio. Certainly not good
2: basketball. Yeah, just you know, maybe something great could come back to Cleveland. That's not LeBron.
0: You got Odell Beckham Jr. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Football, football
1: was much better. Also, I'm 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 sorry for your loss, king. Oh no, wait. That's the
2: wrong New York team. Yeah, wrong New York. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I mean Excellent. the Jets are still a dumpster fire but at least we—at least the Giants get but to be bad with but you're a dumpster fire with, with Le'Veon Bell
1: <laughs> and slick new uniforms speaking of slick new uniforms um, that was a segue into Bentley's wonderful throwback cars they're going to be running at the total 24 hours of Spa Franker Shumps! We are having an endurance racing-packed weekend because it's not only this, but it's also the only race on the uh, Endurance World Championship of Motorcycle Racing calendar that, that, uh, if you're going to watch one, it's going to be this one. It's the Coca-Cola Suzuka 8 Hours, the all-star race of of super bike racing. (laughs) Complete with Kawasaki fielding a Fielding Jonathan Ray in one of their bikes, Yamaha going for five victories in a row, and Honda going for their twenty-eighth win at the event on the track in which they own. That both of these are gonna be a good time. Be sure to blue, brew plenty of coffee and uh keep some <laughs> of the coffee, please. And uh surprise to those fans who may be uh watching and wondering and thinking, like, wait, Honda's not terrible, as it turns out the endurance bikes are to a
2: much different spec than they are in world superbikes. Yeah, I assume they have larger tanks and are probably heavier because they need to have the uh, you know the mechanisms required to refuel. But Yes, it's gonna be it's gonna be Katsuyuki
1: Nagasuka outslues and a hopefully healthy and fit Michael Vandermark trying for Yamaha's fifth straight win in the event. But it's been uh, but it's been the Red Bull Hondas who have been quick all throughout testing with Takumi Takahashi, Ryuichi Kirinari, and Stefan Braudel as part of that team. That ought to be good. The Spa of by the way, has 72 cars on the entry list. Oof. That's going to be a big (laughs) one. That is going to be a big and you've got that. You've got some good short form racing in the German Grand Prix and the Grand Prix of Mid-Ohio. That is what to look forward to this weekend. King, Chris, have I missed anything important to wrap things
2: up? Well, we do have certain endurance related news where it seems like Formula E and the WEC have come to one agreement to get Next year, six hours of spa move, so it won't clash with the Soli Pre.
1: And it won't clash with the Fuji 500 kilometers, which means Kaz Kaz can be there. Oh, my God. That was always... That's that's one of the most annoying pain points about that scheduling clash, and thank God they had that fixed.
2: Yeah, Uh, they got that fixed. Uh, They're working on resolving at least one of the other clashes where... uh, one of the TBC rounds, it's seeming more like it's, uh, well, no, the round with Sonia was, looked like it was going to clash with a WEC round earlier in the season, but they're getting that move, so that won't clash. Though the the clash with the second round of the season, which is looking like it's probably going to be Marrakesh and Jakarta won't make the calendar. Uh, oh, that, I'm sorry, Resi yeah well it's it seems like that probably won't re- be resolved so there p- might be one clash on the calendar Mm-hmm. i see oh man
1: well
0: we yeah. also have the uh road to indy at uh mid ohio and uh, oh yes good news good news for all of the uh wisconsinites aaron tilos is back with bilardi auto racing
1: <laughs> yes coming off that strong drive at toronto of course that Epic title fight that's brewing between Oliver Askew and Reina VK. That is something to look forward to as well.
0: Yeah, I'm looking. I think Oliver, quite frankly, is going to take it. Um, Renus, he has a test coming up with EC Ed Carpenter Racing, so that should be fun to see. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how his feedback, uh, you know, is taken at that test. Um, I'm thinking Oliver should get a test uh, pretty soon. Hopefully, anyway, but you know. I don't know uh, with his what his plans are. Hopefully it's at Mid Ohio because he's he's he did pretty well there a couple of years ago in USF two thousand competition. But we'll see.
1: I see. Of that, this wraps up this episode of Motorsport One O One. And no bad weather has come our way. I've got my eye on you, Chris. I've got <laughs> <cut> my <laughs> eye on you because I, I know your powers are are becoming dangerously high at this point.
0: Let's see. The lottery numbers are... Places you can find us one more time.
1: We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you wish to follow us personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at C. DeHardy. And of course, your financial support at at Patreon.com. Forward slash Motorsport 101 helps make this show possible. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 to get in the supporter section of our Patreon. Excuse me, the supporter section of our Discord. And listen to these shows live as they come out. Special thanks as well to Cam, to Toki. And to Vincent, hello, dear, for listening in. You all are the real MVPs as we have gone through a journey over 125 years from Paris all the way to Iowa and all corners of the world. Thank you so much for listening. Everything Motorsport 101 you can find on Motorsport101.com. Before all of New York City ends up underwater, it's time we bid you adieu for Andre Harrison Presta Hardy and for Ryan Eric King, I'm RJ O'Connell saying so long and thank you very much for listening.
2: Later, y'all. Bye. So you.